Hello everyone and welcome to the Good Life Podcast. I'm Adi Brewer. And I'm Bernice Jones. And in this episode, we get into a conversation about the good life with our guest, Mark LaRoost. You can listen and download the MP3 file on our website, thegoodlifepodcast.org or on iTunes. Mark LaRoost is the host of a weekly podcast and web television show called The Unconventionalists. He's a professional coach, an inspirational speaker, and the author of the book, It's Not You, It's Me. His website says, It's been said that if Brene Brown, Tim Ferriss, and Eddie Izzard had a child, Mark LaRoost would probably be it. Mark, it's great to have you on our podcast. Um, this is uh, the Virgin podcast, uh, episode <laughs> episode number two. It took us months, actually, months, uh, several months to get to episode number two after introducing the podcast. So it's great to finally get it rolling. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for uh, for inviting me and for being on episode number two. I feel very special, very privileged. Yeah, it is. And I've yes. heard so much about you. It's exciting to finally, quote unquote, meet you. <laughs> thank you so much uh yeah no it's it's great um and I, I was just we were just talking about it. it's amazing how we can be in all different continents and yet still all be here at the same time so that's pretty cool right and um we also found out that uh we all three uh went to the same leadership pro program at different times and yeah. so we are we actually tribe members um Uh, you are a bluebird, Vernus is a magpie, and I'm a bison. And for all the listeners out there who have no clue what that is, <laughs> that's okay to not know what that is. <laughs> Find it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But a great but... developmental experience, I think. We can agree for all mm. of us. In probably the same few years, right? Yeah, I reckon. I mean, I, I graduated December 2015, so a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I was uh, July of 2015, so it's quite oh, wow. close. Yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm the granddaddy on this podcast now. Thank you. I'm not going to say when I graduated. <laughs> I know when you graduated because I remember when you went off to leadership. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Okay. I think it was January 2014, I believe. Yeah, yeah. January 2014. Yeah. Um, and I also uh, want to mention that we know each other um, actually from uh, the the coaching certification because mm. we were the only dudes uh, in yeah. in the that. you know we had a what is it a pot they called it a pot yeah for for six months we po, shared po, po, the po pod is that what we were, like yeah. Edgar yeah, yeah, yeah. Poe or something right the Edgar Poe pot yeah and um i think we were like six together or seven i don't know but overwhelmingly uh, uh female as as usual and not you know that is i think the percentage of um the courses with cti yeah mm -hmm. um and so we both were the 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 male counterbalance so to say but i think we both cried more than than the ladies <laughs> Which doesn't well, say funny. anything. It's funny because I think from, you know, even, we, we haven't spoken that much over the years, but the, yeah, I think you're the only one that I've kept in touch with out of that um, pod um, from, 
absolutely nothing. I've exchanged a couple of emails there and then uh, with a few members. But yeah, I'm so glad to uh, to still be in touch and that you, 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 I feel very honored that you invited me on the Good Life Podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a good uh, flashback, wasn't it? Um, so that's <laughs> how, we, how, how we know each other, um, which goes back to 2013, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I have been partly part and also witness of your own transformation um which is one of the reasons um why we you know we are glad to have you on this podcast and mm. um also talk about this um you know the good life what does a good life mean to you and what mm. Has it been before this transformation uh, from the Mark LaRouche to 2013 <laughs> before to now? Wow. Um, yeah. You know, it's so funny because you're, you're catching me at a really interesting time. Um, I'm, I'm still very much in transition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now more than ever, I think it's actually an accelerated transition. At least that's what it feels like when you quit your job and you, you, you go all into starting and running your business, um, as you know. And... Um, and I, and I guess the reason why I say it's an interesting time to catch me at is that I'm, I've got this huge realization at the moment around, uh, and I don't really know how to put it in other words, that doesn't sound totally woohoo, but it's it's this concept of uh, facing the shadow or, or, or looking at your ego, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's a combination of things that's happened. One of them is, uh, I read a book by Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy, which was an interesting and challenging read. And the other thing is, I went all guns blazing saying I was going to do a TEDx talk in 2017, read, you know, Chris Anderson's book. He's the owner of TED, took his course online. You know, I read all these books. I was kind of like all in, joined a uh, program, an accountability program led by a TEDx facilitator, uh, as in like a TEDx, I don't know we call them, organizer. And I realized real quick that I went in for all the wrong reasons and... I went in for all the wrong reasons the way that it was all about me. So Mm. I was one of those that wanted to do a TEDx talk. So look at me. I did a TEDx talk. I'm on stage and look, I'm a great speaker. I'm inspiring and blah, blah, blah. And it was all about Mm. me. And I attended a talk recently organized by the School of Life. I don't know if you guys have heard of the School of Life. It's it's a pretty cool organization in, in, in London. And before they began their big event where they had these cool speakers, they said, does anybody here who knows School of Life is? And then they kind of they explain it. And they said really clearly, they said, our, our mission is to spread emotional intelligence around the world or to, mm-hmm. to develop or, or grow emotional intelligence around the world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that is such a strong why. That's like such a powerful, clear why. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, I don't know what my why is. You know, I don't have like a really clear purpose. I do lots of what's and how's. And... Anyway, all this, all that, all that big spiel to say that um, I've been eating a big fat slice of humble pie recently mm. <laughs> about realizing just throughout all these years about building my brand and, you know, writing a book and launching my podcast, launching my YouTube channel, my newsletter, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. I was like always thinking that I was being of service and I was coming at it. At least that's what I felt like I was coming from a place of wanting to share and, and connect and and in fact, there's there's a big part of it, which is, you know, this is really embarrassing to say, or at least it's uncomfortable to say out loud, which is, you know, it's it, it I made it a lot about me. And I made it a lot about me needing to be validated or me needing to feel like 
mm. I'm important and I'm loved and I'm enough, you know? Um, and I think that's the big problem that I see, especially where clients who now come to me to help them build their brand or help them build their online presence, that kind of stuff. Um, mm. It's a real, it's a real tricky thing. Like, how do I put myself out there? But all, sorry, all while being in service of others. Right. Without, yeah, I, I yeah, I get it. It's a, it's a huge stretch. Um, yeah. And, and there's a way because um, I, I like it that you, you talk about this. I can, in most cases, I can feel uh, somehow a sense when someone is authentically putting him or herself out there mm. uh, means there's a connection to, yes, I really serve and I want to serve you. And therefore, for me, it's not important to be out there, but I have to be out there so that you actually right. see me and can connect with me. Right. And the other the other one is I do this because I still have this. And, and Vernus, um, you are now the specialist in this. You can chime in okay. with regard to adult development, mm. uh, that there is the phase of, yes, I want to achieve something. Yes, I want to be on stage. And I don't think that's bad. It's sometimes over the top. And that's probably what you now notice. You're in this phase where you notice, hmm, it's maybe more important to find this uh, this this balance balance where I can authentically say uh, what I'm doing here is really to serve you and you and you, and it's not just about me any longer. Yeah, and and I think it's you know it's really interesting because like this this kind of you know I want to say opportunity, but this this conversation we're having right now, right? It's like most of the time people be like, oh yeah, it's a great opportunity to put myself forward, my business, my service, get my name out there. And really what, I've, what I'm kind of exploring, and I've been doing this for a while, and if you've, if you've been reading my newsletter, then you'll know that I've gone through these phases of like, I really want to share like mm-hmm. the stuff that no one really wants to talk about. And yet we all go through it. And it's the big fat elephant in the room that for some reason we've made up that we, we just shouldn't talk about it, right? So, oh, look at me, like I'm on a podcast, I'm speaking with you guys, and I'm telling you, yeah, actually I've been full of shit for quite some time about about putting myself out there for all the wrong reasons. And yet, realizing that and sharing that my hope is that someone can can go oh yeah me too you know mm. or thanks for saying that because i've been feeling the same way and i've been too embarrassed to say it and now this gives me permission to to engage in this conversation mm. and i think funnily enough the, the the sort of tedx at least the, the talk or the theme that i've been playing around with is around this very topic which is um you know we we, we make up at least if you look at the statistics it's, it's almost hilarious it's like 86 percent of people who are fully employed, are disconnected from the job that they do. And according to Visa Europe, one in three people want to start their own businesses, but only one in 10 actually take the leap, mm-hmm. leaving that those who don't take the leap feeling miserable and depressed because they make up that they're not an entrepreneur and that's why they're not successful and happy. But then when you look at entrepreneurs and you look at some of the stats and research they've been doing, there's one in the University of California, half, 49% said that they had some sort of mental health condition and one in three experienced depression. And mm-hmm. therefore the question is, how are we made up that becoming an entrepreneur or going off, and this is for coaches, by the way, if any coaches are listening to this, it's the same thing applies, that we make up that becoming, you know, full-time entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be great and happy and fluffy and freedom and happiness. And, and I've experienced this over the last six months. And I've got to say, they don't teach you this in business school. They don't teach you this, um, this, this, what it feels like to like generally be worried about how am I going to make money this month? How am I going to pay the bills? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I, I want to open up that conversation and not to make it wrong, but also to say, hey, this is what you're going to get yourself into. And you need to know because you've been sold a narrative that everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. And excuse my French, I don't know how R-rated this is, but it's bullshit. 
right? It's like not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur. If we were all entrepreneurs, who the hell is going to do any work? It's right. like, you know, we can't. You know, I think there are perfectly people out there who are perfect, who are going to be amazing as number twos, number threes, number four, whatever it is, that we don't all have to be entrepreneurs to be happy and successful in all this stuff. And, mm. and that's the conversation I want to bring. Um, yeah. I blacked out yeah. there for a second. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a, it's a good point. So, you know, what I what I would add to the conversation is just that um, one of the things I'm noticing. So, Audie, you brought up the stages of development. Mm-hmm. What happens when you're between stages, particularly when you're in this stage? Um, there is this um, model put out by um, Suzanne Cook Gruder, and so there's a stage of achiever, which is really all about me. Right where it's my goals, my vision, yeah. my perspective of the world. Um, from a corporate context, it looks like you know I set goals for myself. The company set goals, sets goals for me, and I really am motivated by them. Mm. But what I've noticed just recently in the last couple of years in in um, my coaching practice is that folks come to me who reach a certain level in the organization and they aren't motivated anymore. They don't care. They don't care about the position. They don't care about the money. They don't care about the target. Um, and so they're feeling like they're just feeling unsatisfied and they want something else. And so I think there's some, um, there's just a need, to, there's a need to take a risk. There's a need to do something else. And they're thinking that maybe entrepreneurism is the answer. Right. I want to be an entrepreneur because it's not what mm. I just did and it gives me freedom. Maybe it's not the answer, but they find themselves in this transition. Um, and so that is something that is an opportunity for a lot of us to just help guide folks through. And I mean, mm. I'm counting myself, help myself sort of see what is the right path because I know that I don't want to do what I last did. But what is mm. the right thing for me? Yeah. Mm. yeah. You, you know, it's... It's to, so um, this is still, you know, in the work, so it's not very well formulated, but there's this whole concept that I'm playing around with, which is, you know, there's no difference between the future self and the present self, and yet we make up there is. And what I mean by that is, um, so part of part of what I do, so I do a few things, but one of, one of the things I do is I, I get to um, lead and co-lead programs, um, and one of them is a 12-week program for an organization called Escape the City, and we get a group of 35 to 50 people through a 12-week program to help them uh, find kind of the job that they really want to do or or understand better who they are. But the bottom line is that these people are, you know, accountants, bankers, um, uh, lawyers, and so forth. And this conversation comes up a lot around, you know, I make up that I want want to be an entrepreneur. And I think what I've noticed, and, and, and I'd love to hear both of your inputs on this, but what I've noticed a lot is that we often make up that the grass is green on the other side. And we make up that it's oh, the reason why I'm unhappy in my job, the reason why I'm not motivated anymore by these KPIs or this quarter target or whatever it is, it's because, you know, I, w- I want to be running the show and I want to be in business. And, I make, and it's like all these stories that we make up, we're going to feel about when we become an entrepreneur and that we only project them to be real when we once achieve that. And therefore, if that's how we see, uh, or perceive what we're meant to feel like, we cannot feel content in the present moment because we haven't become that entrepreneur yet. And this is where I think the catch-22 happens. It's when we're like, oh, I'm only going to be happy when I become an entrepreneur, but then you become an entrepreneur and you don't feel happy and you're like, oh, wait a minute. And and it's a bit like, I often <laughs> compare it to like relationships. Right. It's a bit like you're in a relationship and you're like, oh yeah, single's great. Uh, you know, I wish I was single. Or or you meet someone, you're like, maybe thinking that that person's better for whatever reason. You jump ship and then you realize, oh my God, I didn't realize all these things. And I miss mm. all these things. Mm. 
So what's your sense of what they really want? What's your gut feel about what they actually, I don't know if it's need more of or want more of in their life? I love that question. Such a good question. It's, um, you know, this, this is going to sound like basic or almost deep, but what I find it's most people, it's, it's a question of, of feeling like they're enough, you know, and it, and it, throughout the kind of the programs that I've been leading or the, the people I've worked with, it always comes down to this, always comes down to this. It's like, what's your relationship with yourself? Like, how much do you love yourself? What do you say to yourself when nobody's hearing or nobody's looking? And they want to feel a sense of, you know, aliveness or they want a sense of, a sense of, of happiness, of joy. And they blame the circumstances that they're in for how they feel. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think... What I've noticed is that there's a big shift that happens to people who take responsibility. And I know you guys have done leadership as well. And and I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed. It's like when someone understands that they need to take responsibility for their own world and for their own, you know, what's happening to them, then then something shifts. And what I've noticed is that, so I work with people like who want to do the work that makes them come alive, right? So whether that's finding your dream job or starting your own business. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I'll tell the people like, you may get there, you may never get there. The point is, what can we do right now to, to, to change how you feel? And we'll do really small stuff. So it can it can be something like, what did you used to do as a kid that made you come alive? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, like I used to, you know, draw. Um, I used to go outside and draw. And I'd and be like, okay, cool. So what would it be like if you went outside and draw? And they go out and they'll maybe do some a variation of that. And they'll have this sense of like fun or aliveness. And they'll come back and go, but I have no, how the hell is this going to help me with my career? And I think that's what I find fascinating, that people make up that everything they have to do has to have a specific outcome that's going to lead them towards their goal. When in fact, I believe that chasing your curiosities without having any clear outcome is one of the best ways to to accidentally fall upon, you know, the good life, if you want to call it, right? So like one of the questions we ask our participants is, what does a rich life mean to you? So mm. it's it's a bit like, what's a good life, right? But like, what's a rich life mean to you? And I want to say nine times out of 10, if not more, we never get people who say it's about having loads of money, it's about having loads of cars, it's about having, you know, all this stuff, loads of houses. Most of them it's about having the freedom to enjoy the time with those I love and, and work around the people that, you know, brings me joy. And and that's sometimes really basic. So, but yeah. So can I push yeah. back a little bit, Mark? Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> because I feel we Please. know each other now. <laughs> I think it was all the sound check before the recording. Okay, got us okay guys, I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here. Okay, um, where's my glass of wine? <laughs> <laughs> so let me just ask you a quick question, Mark. So yeah. imagine that I am your standard project manager in some Fortune 500 company, and I have been for the last 5, 10, 15, 20 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, I don't want to give away my age, but let's say 15 or 20 years. And I'm... Sure there was a time when that was really exciting and now it's just, it's not. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm getting beaten down. Right. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling, um, burnt out, like really burnt out. I'm working too many hours, including the weekend. I no longer enjoy what I'm doing. My boss is a jerk. Yeah. Right. And you're telling me to go out and color. (laughs) I need to get out of here and figure out how to take care of myself in a different way. Do you see what I mean? I mean, this could be the perspective of a lot of people who like aren't really getting that connection. Can you just say more about that? Because I think yeah. for a lot of people, it's just practical. Sure. So there's there's a few things in, in that scenario, right? So I, I actually have people who, 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 who don't match that exact scenario, but like some people who've been 23 years a lawyer. Yeah, um, I get it. So there's a couple of things in there. One of them is identity, right? So um, the, the first thing I noticed is that people who are 
a very long time, like project manager for 10, 15 years, my identity is I'm a project manager. And the first thing it's around, okay, so if, if you know, is, is project management something that you want to do or you still want to explore? And if it's not, then, then the whole process around working on the actual identity and what it means to change your identity is, is huge. And that's usually the most difficult session we do on the program because it means you have to, to change really who you believe you are and how you interact with the world and how you believe the world perceives you. So that's like, that's like one thing. The other thing is I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily tell that person to go outside and cut It'd be more around like there's, there's something about, so because I'm dyslexic, I've had to adapt to the world in a certain way. Meaning that when I was a kid, I didn't really understand school. I didn't really understand maths. I hated it, but I had to find ways of making it um, fun or I needed to make ways of, of breaking it down. And what I realized is that uh, unlike other people, I just get on with stuff without really knowing where it's going to end up. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of the problems I see is people are like, I need to do something now that's going to move me in the right direction. And I need to have clarity on what my next step is. And one of the things that I find the most challenging to teach or to, to get people to understand is that actually what you should be seeking is trust, not clarity. And the reason why I say that is that when we seek clarity, we, 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 we can easily get stopped in a track. So let's say this project manager needs to, needs to have clarity about what is his next move, what is his next role. And, and if she or he doesn't have that clarity, may not feel like ready to, to take an action or to take a certain step in a certain direction because there's no clarity as to how that's going to result in the outcome that they wish. Well, I go in there a little bit differently and I go, okay, so just play with me. And what if, you know, what if you could, you could take this one thing that may have nothing to do with what you think you want to do, but it leads you to something else. And I see this over and over and over again. So let's say your project manager says you do some work with them and she or he um, tells you actually one thing I've, I've always wanted to launch my own podcast, but I don't know how I can make money from that. And I don't know how that's going to solve my problem right now. So that's the kind of stuff that I really love doing with people is just to do some stuff that's going to get them uh, to explore something that calls them, whatever reason. And then there's another thing that we're not, well, I haven't mentioned yet, which is boundaries. So when you said about they're working weekends, their boss is a jerk. Right. A lot of the things that I see with people, and, and this is something that we haven't really been taught about, I think, mostly not, definitely not at school and some people not even in their families is, is, is having boundaries for yourself. Like what is okay? What is not okay? And we had someone that came in the other day and she was in tears. She's like, I'm tired of working weekends. I don't see my child. And there's this, there's this kind of real question around, okay, but you know, what's happening here? Like, how is this okay that you're working over weekends and, and what's the kind of conversation you need to have? And I think this is where a lot of people feel real, really troubled around because we make up a scenario about what the conversational outcome is going to sound like or be like and therefore we get totally terrorized about having that conversation with our manager and and what i've <laughs> one of the things that came up it was really funny one of the guys is a is a lawyer and i think he basically told his colleagues i'm no longer checking my phone over the weekends um and after eight o'clock something like that and, so, and one of his colleagues was like oh yeah that's what i do and he didn't know <laughs> for like five years he didn't know that because he made up that that's what everybody did so like there's this, there's also this kind of real weird um, culture, right? And there's there's also like if you, you know, when we do the work that we do, and I'm going to shut up in a second, but when we do the work that we do, one of the things that you kind of help people explore a bit more is, you know, who are you? Like what you're about, like what do you stand for, what do you believe in? And what happens when you go down that road? And again, like in a relationship, if you start realizing that you don't match the organization that you work for, then you've got a problem because you can change your perspective as much as you want. You can be as positive and positive mindset as much as you want. If you're just in an environment that is not going to be conducive to 
exploring and and doing the things that make you most come alive, whatever it is, then that's when you really need to start considering your options. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes total sense. I think then, and you know, go on. It. Um, I think they have a lot to say, and and it's great for our listeners. I believe um, that you share uh, in a lot of the challenges people have. And when I look at the overall arc of that, um, I have the impression that we're really talking about good life. We 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 try to redefine it, um, and the stretch we are in is that um, we experience the good life of our parents in a different way than we now are in. Uh, and we haven't defined, I think, the way we want to experience that. What I mean by that is that our parents, um, they had the challenge to rebuild countries, uh, to be part of that, rebuild economies. And therefore, their good life looked very different at that time. They have d had different dreams um, mm. for that time span. Um, and, and some of the definitions are materialism, and, and that's all fine. I'm not judging that. That actually pushed them to do more so that we, as their children, could actually grow up in a better world. Mm. Now, the better world looks like, right now, looks like we have, and not everyone, but in general, we have the luxury of having choices of jobs, um, you know, more and more we don't have any longer because now we have a, another stage we're entering in, uh, in general again. But I think the stretch comes from exactly that, what we learned somehow through our parents, and now we have to define it for ourselves, and it's different. I think mm. that's where we have, it's not any longer that materialism drives us internally. Um, there's nothing really to build as massively as our parents had to, Um and and so that's in us. We have seen it. We, it's domesticated. And then on the other hand, it's something else that drives us really internally. And this is, you know, what is our meaning now uh, mm. of life? What is the meaning for us? Why am I doing this? And I think this is where this high demand for entrepreneurship comes because we don't want to be corporate tigers any longer. Um, most cases, is, it is boring for us. Um, and this is not how we define it. We want to, and then there comes this other domesticated piece, um, I believe, which is external voices tell us we have to have this huge impact on the world. Otherwise, mm. our, our life is meaningless, mm. uh, which I think is really unfair. Yeah. Um, but it, it puts the way the, uh, what is called mediocrity of life, which, which has a negative connotation. And I'm struggling with this since many, many years. I love to be average sometimes. Mm. I just love to be average because I, it takes away expectations. I can just, just indulge as a potato couch watching a Netflix movie and be just <laughs> average. I love that. For why? Until, things. <laughs> yeah, until, until I have a new drive for, okay, here's a new project for me. I really want to do this right now. Um, yeah, that's my yeah. rant. No, I, I, you know, what, what, what I find really interesting as well about the concept of the good life, right? It's, it's your definition is different than mine, mm -hmm. right? Like Bernice, same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's, this is, this is again, one of the things that, um, I see this over and over again. And it's, this is a tough one, right? Because we are like sponges and we've taken on so much stuff from our parents, from our you know, communities, from our relationships, from our colleagues, from education, about what we should um, be wanting. And and as you mentioned, you know, there's, there's there was the whole minimalist movement that spread around around you know things 
don't bring us happiness, but experiences do. So collect moments, don't collect things. And there's this whole concept of the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss that came out about having, you know, st stop waiting until you retire to enjoy life and instead of having any retirements and blah, 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 all this stuff. And what I find fascinating about this is that when you actually get people to, and this is an exercise if, you know, people listening want to play around with, it's, it's actually, what would like your perfect day look like? Like, you know, what would, what would it, what would you do? What would you, where would you be? What would, what kind of things would you want to enjoy? And the good life for me in that way that you're kind of, um, I guess, bringing it to the forefront of the conversation is around what are the things that, that I, you know, that make, that, that make my day special? What are the things that I can enjoy? Um, you know, when do I feel alive? And, and it's, and it's what I find fascinating is that we probably all have different interpretations of what mm. a good life is for me. Like, um, I don't know if this is a question you, you plan for later on, but maybe like the good life is, is, is being at peace, um, with who I am and that my actions and my beliefs and my thoughts are, are hopefully as aligned as possible. There's this thing I call, I talk about the authenticity gap, which is basically around who we are and how we show up in the world. And the difference between the two is, is how big or how small the authenticity gap is. And the good life is where I make up where it's okay to be me and where I get to enjoy the, the little things. And I think mm. that's where I really, I really suck at that. Like mm. celebrating the little moments, um, you know, being reminded of being grateful of the things that we have and and I think the good life is living in the moment, living in the present. And it's not about, I will live the good life when X. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Good and I'm point. just wondering, Mark, so yeah. how long has that been true for you? Ah. Oh. <sighs> you know, and, and, it, and it's funny because as I'm hearing, I'm like, yeah, that sounds really good. And, you know, <laughs> how, how much are you actually living this, right? And I really struggle with this. I really do. It's, 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 I'm a high, I'm an overachiever by nature. And, you know, I'm pretty sure had I been born 10 years after I was born, I would have been severely medicated, you know, for like ADHD and all this stuff. And, and recently I've, you know, I have the, the fortune of being with a partner who's an incredible human being and, and a sensational, um, life partner and, and and she's gone through leadership and she does amazing work in organizations she does you know conflict resolutions mediation uh, team alignment that kind of stuff and so it's been amazing to, to 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 have her in my life because she is very much in some ways um the opposite of me so i'm a doer i'm an achiever i'm a check that to-do lister and she's more of a of a beer so she's she's amazing at like spaciousness and creating what the danish call hugu uh which is like a kind of it's like the level three for us coaches but it's it's basically it's defined as as getting a hug by the room without being touched mm -hmm. um and so she's amazing and all that and so she reminds me to to slow down and there's i have a post-it that i wrote the other day um i have the permission to slow down and 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 i think that's that's what i've been realizing you know i i, I was i come from a corporate background so I, I didn't get into my story too much, but I, I come from a corporate background where, um, you know, we, we were in advertorials. So that basically means that you sell advertising and editorial boxes in newspapers like the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, IHT, that kind of stuff. And I travel around the world and it was a, a very sales based role. Right. So it's like the more sales you make, the more bonuses you get, the bigger the bonus check at the end of the year, the bigger the parties, champagne, you know, lavish food, all that stuff. So it was a very kind of. You chase, you know, what, what, what some would call meritocracy. 
um, which is based on, on merit, right? So like you, you get rewarded for, for doing things, but unfortunately someone has to pay the consequences for it. And and so I was really chasing more that lifestyle and I made up that, and you know, if you, if you look at it like from a deeper wound, and I know I'm kind of zigzagging here, but if you look at it from a deeper wound, I think it's because I struggled so much at school that I was so determined to prove them that it wasn't because I couldn't spell that I didn't matter. And mm. and that it didn't, and it wasn't because I, I, I couldn't, perform in 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 school or academic the way that they wanted that i that i wasn't special and i was just so determined and i know that a lot of people out there maybe listening to this or who know someone who had a kid didn't have that chance of having that sheer determination and will to to prove them wrong but the the shadow of that or the side effect of that is that i've carried that into my adult life of Mm. constantly needing to prove myself and and that means that you know never really being satisfied so keep kept keep on going and doing more and like you know I, I at one point in my career i spent four years as country manager for the november foundation which is one of the world's largest men's health um, organizations and it's a fantastic charity and i spent there four years raising 2.8 million euros you know impacting forty thousand people signing up to the website to take part and i and i don't know if i truly stopped to appreciate you know um and 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 it's and it's something that I'm learning. And I think the big phase that I am right now, you know, you know how like, people call that seasons? Like we're all in seasons yeah. in our lives. And a bit like what you talked about, your project manager of 10, 15 years, maybe they're changing seasons in their lives. Um, I feel like what's happening, and this sounds really weird to say this out loud, but I feel like it's the boy becoming the man. And it's, and it's the kind of realization that, okay, actually what matters is like your health, your relationships, um, you know, be more of service than, than expecting to be rewarded. Mm. Um, you know, kind of, if, you, if you're going to build something, build it as a legacy for others. Don't build it to be uh, recognized. You know, it's, 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 so it's kind of going through that phase. So to come back to your question around how long has that been, it's still work in progress, you know, I'm still, yeah. still a baby. In yeah, this, in this it relates state. also to, to um, what you said in the beginning of, um, you know, our conversation or exploration where you, you you said you're facing your shadow or your ego uh, right now. That's the phase you're in. Mm. Uh, and I think that is um, that is probably also where things shift from, uh, as Werner's mentioned in adult uh, development, from you probably um, put more energy now uh, away from the uh, achievement phase and move a little bit more energy into the uh, what's the meaning of mm. life phase um mm. and what is what is my not not purpose but how do i want to live uh the life now from now on and yeah you can i think you can be in both phases as i learned from from Vernus, and i believe so um and i remember you being really uh years ago running from one appointment yeah. to the next you had difficulties yeah. getting on the call and 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 running late and and still you know sweating and and you know, i was like yeah i'm crying damn. I, I remember crying on a pod call because yeah. it was i was in a hotel room in spain there was no wi-fi it was my turn to like i forgot what we did like triads right like one coach one yeah. was a coach one, yeah. one but yeah and i think i was the coach and the line cuts or the skype cuts and I try, and I'm just I, I was, yeah it, yeah I mean it was so in yeah it was so intense I had a, you know I, I wrote a book and I'd write it in the morning at five or six o'clock I'd coach clients in Australia or Vietnam so I'd coach like men out of one I'd have a full time job you know raising this charity I was running around on trains and planes and just did all this stuff 
Mm. You know, and, and, and for those, for the listeners who don't know about coaching, there's a, there's a, there's a module that we do called process. And it's basically the closest thing to therapy, really gestalt therapy and so forth, which is around feeling the emotion and expressing the emotion and going deep into the emotion, right? Not just, um, talking about, it, I guess. And in that moment, I remember that it was one of my two breakthroughs during the whole coaching program, I guess. I realized that I didn't love who I was for who I was. I, I didn't think I was enough. I needed to be Mark, the author, Mark, the podcaster, Mark, the mm. coach, Mark, the vegan bodybuilder, Mark, the MA fighter, Mark, the whatever. Right. And I right. needed to have those in order to feel. You, had, you literally yeah. had several identities on Twitter and struggled with keeping yeah. those identities alive. <laughs> yeah, you're it right. was, it was, I mean, it was, it was probably tough for you to go through, but it was hilarious on my side <laughs> because I could see what, what kind of um, rushes going on in your yeah. life. Um, and that's something, you know, you have to, and, and I guess we all have to somehow go through that uh, discovering Mm. this ego side that wants to prove something that most of us somehow experience not being good enough and then our counter reaction comes to that mm. and very often happens in childhood somehow and can be something very little um, but you know we pick it up as a almost traumatic experience and then we create the world for us and that leads us into adulthood and then suddenly mm. you know uh, we do things that try to balance this uh, I'm not good enough and now I'm going to prove you that I'm good enough and some people don't even come that far um, <laughs> they take themselves or the they tell themselves all the time they're not good enough yeah and, um, and I think and I, and I think to come back to the theme of the good life podcast mm, it's mm. like I think a good life would also be where it's okay for people to say they haven't got their shit together you know where mm. people feel like it's okay to say like I don't think I'm enough, I'm enough. you know this is why I'm this is why I'm reacting like an asshole or this is why You know, and and I feel like there's this. It's it's fascinating, you know. And I see this across all ages, right? So like people in our on the program, or between I don't know, maybe the youngest is like twenty twenty five, up until forty eight, fifty five, um, and you see this, you know, you see this across. I had I had a student that came on my podcast uh, course, and she said something that really resonated with me, and you may agree or not with this. But, you know, she said, we were never taught to love ourselves. Mm. Um, and I was like, wow, that's such an interesting concept. It's like self-love, unless you have been, you know, actively taught, we haven't really been taught how to love ourselves actively. Um, and there's, I would, and there's, I would yeah. reduce this a little bit, if I may interrupt, too. Yeah, sure. Uh, just because it's the one piece where, where people just have difficulties to understand to to love or understand how can i love this ugly yeah. part of myself and so i rather reduce this to hey we haven't learned to befriend ourselves even with the dark sides and the good side so love is is a big step you know if i'm not quite sure if we can always love these pieces in ourselves but yeah befriending but that's that's all i want to say about that no i love, yeah, I love that there's no go for it go for it go ahead mark go go No, no, please, Venice. I've been, <laughs> I've been speaking nonstop, so I would love for you to, to <laughs> choose your guest. Go ahead and speak. <laughs> That's, okay. That's right. Uh, but so here's what I was just thinking, Mark. So you know what I'm hearing you say when you're talking about um, your life. I'm hearing you say the good life for you is being alive, following your passions, being able to create boundaries where it may have been difficult in the past. Um, 
being able to love yourself, befriend yourself. But mm. I'm just trying to, I want to get back to the practical because for some mm -hmm. people, it's really hard to envision what that looks like, what that feels like. Mm -hmm. So could you sort of expound on what it, what are you doing? What are you being when you are living your good life today? Hmm. Um, great question. There's, there's, yeah, I love the, I love the way that you phrase the question because there's, there's two aspects of the doing and the being. Um, so there, there, there's, there's, there's a few things that I need to get, like for me to feel like I'm experiencing like the good life, which is ironic because I said like, you should just feel it right now as opposed to make up, you need to do something in order to feel it. Um, I'm sure a Buddhist would, would counter argue that one, but there's a few things I need to do to make sure like, and this sounds very basic, but I actually think that this is one of the most under um, estimated aspect of any development program on ourselves. And and I guess it's, it's sleep. Um, mm. So I need to have like good, like I have to have like, so the physical stuff, like I need to have good, like a good amount of sleep, mm. like anything from seven to eight hours. If I have seven to eight hours, I, I just feel a little bit more just in my body. I feel a little bit more um, drive. Then I need to like move my body or sweat in some kind of way um, I need to make sure I hydrate myself enough. I need to make sure that I, that I eat relatively, um, you know, when I say, when I say healthy, it's, it's such a subjective word, but like just, you know, food that is going to be more, you know, fueling my soul rather than like making me feel lethargic or tired or depressed or whatever. And then, um, a very practical thing. I do not do this at all on a regular basis. I'm never going to sit here and pretend that I do. But one of the things that has the biggest impact on my level of like well-being and, and all this stuff, it's it's meditation. So I use a very simple app called Headspace. You can download it. It's free. Um, you can do it for like 10 days for free. It's, it's guided by this guy called Andy Puttingham. Amazing guy who had testicular cancer, who's now helping raise awareness of November. So I'm a big fan of them. But I, I, I don't get any money for speaking about them, but I, it's probably the number one app I recommend to the most people I come across because it's so simple and easy. It's in your pocket and you can do it anytime, any anywhere. And so I would do that for like 15 minutes and then I journal. I'll journal like what came up, how do I feel? And just that routine of those, like the sleep, the, the, the water, and that will set me up in terms of physically. Now, in terms of, of doing it's a really interesting one because it's one of those things where I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you how it feels. And so I feel it most when I, when I, when I'm out of my head. So I'm someone that's, I'm very, I, I think a lot, I analyze a lot, I overthink too much. And as a result, if I, if I'm too much in my own world, I'm, 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 I'm an extrovert, I guess. And as an extrovert, if I, if I stay too long on my own, if I'm too much in my, in my own world, then I can go into the spiral darkness of thoughts, right? But when I'm in, in, in community with other people and I get to just be of service, share, speak, whatever it is, I, I just massively come alive. So this, this program that I've been co-leading with a girl called Sophie Miller, who's an amazing uh, co-facilitator, um, this program has really made me realize that what I really want to do is way more of this um, group training facilitation, whatever you want to call it. And I didn't get there by just doing it, right? It's like, it's so many little steps. And I think to come back to like, maybe the Good Life podcast or people like listening to this and feeling overwhelmed, I say this to everyone. And it's if you're waiting to get all the answers, if you're waiting to know, if you're waiting to get the aha moment, the light bulb moment, the, the penny drop moment, it may never come. 
and and that's that's for me it's 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 the reality and and the only way that you can shift that is that by doing some like something small something that you may not even know if that's what it is right so like when I, when we work with our participants I'll say one of them will say I, I'm interested in Pilates and I don't know why I'm an accountant I don't want to do a Pilates I don't want to become a Pilates instructor but I'm 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 interested in that good so go and explore that being in your body may unlock something that you're not aware of or call me crazy but I believe that somehow the universe conspires in your favor when you start taking action towards a journey right I'm a huge fan of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and initiation separation phase when you actually say yes to the adventure the call to adventure things just happen I've seen this over and over and over again I'm not saying that you're going to get what you want but you're going to get something and I've seen this so many times that people come to me like I don't know I'm not sure and what kills me is to then see them still six months, three months later, we bump into another, maybe like a conference I spoke at or whatever it is. And they're still in the same place. And I'm like, why, why are you still, why have you still not taken action on that one thing? And it's like, well, I'm just not sure it's what I want to do. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure that this is what I really want to do. And people who are stuck in jobs that they really don't like, put so much pressure on themselves to make sure that the next move they do is the perfect thing. Mm. It's like it's the it's, it has to be the the ideal perfect job because otherwise what's the point? If I'm leaving a job I'm not really happy with, what's the point of me landing in a job that I'm kind of okay in? And that yeah. for me just it just it just it, it uh, backfires really. Um, yeah, again I don't, I don't know if that made any sense, but no, 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 it's great. <laughs> so I so I'm just wanting to know a little bit more about you and your good life because what I heard you say mm. was that um, there are some things that you do to set up your day. Mm -hmm. There are things around, you could do some meditation, you can get some sleep, you can mm. um, exercise, right, to get your body moving. And mm. what you're really doing is preparing yourself for the experience of the good life during the day. Um, mm. I also heard you say that being in community was something really important for you in terms of giving mm. you the good life. But what I didn't hear was what is that quality of being in community that is the goodness for you mm. Mm. I, um there's something about uh feeding off each other's energies now i'm not a i'm not a uh a ricky or reiki reiki i can never talk about like i'm not talking about like energies kind of like ricky. that kind of stuff but it, yeah ricky yeah. but it's it's more like i just find that we're social creatures you know Maybe I'm sure if you know if someone's listening to this and like I hate people, I hate big crowds, like I get it. Um but I think at our core we're just we're social beings and there's something about and if you don't agree with me, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you why I think I'm right. <laughs> um yeah. I think that when we're fear of public speaking, when we're afraid of, of talking in public, it, it really is rooted back down to our, our core DNA, which is we are meant to survive as a community. And because we were so afraid back in the day of being cast away, because if you don't fit in, you literally die. Because if you're not part of a community, you don't eat, you don't get fed, you don't get shelter, that we are so terrified of being excluded from the pack. And therefore, if we're going to go on stage and make ourselves ridiculous, everyone's going to make fun of us. We're no longer going to be loved. We're not going to be accepted. And therefore, we'll be cast away. And, and that for me just comes back down to like, we're social creatures. We want to belong. And so when I get to be in community, now now I need to do a little kind of disclaimer here. When I'm in community, it's like being with people who like are energy giving, right? I don't know about you, but I've got people in my life, or at least I definitely had more of, that is energy draining. 
And it's like, I'm around them and I, I just hate my life. Like everything just seems so depressed, so dark. It's just so, oh my God, it's just like sapping all the energy. And there's some people you get around with and you just get inspired and you get like motivated. And, and there's this old cliche saying that you're the average of the five people you hang around with. But actually, I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, when, you, when, you, when we get to build community, when I get to lead a, an online program, for example, um, you get to see that. Like you're around people who like, are crazy enough to believe that this is totally doable. And so you're like, oh my God, it is? Yeah. And so your bar gets elevated a little bit higher and that ceiling gets a little bit higher and you start reaching out a little bit more. And that I think is as a consequence of hanging out with people who, you know, who who want you to, to do well and want you to be happy. And um, and I think that's what I mean by getting in community. But more important, like, like even doing this right now, yeah there's something i don't know what it is i can't i can't i can't explain to you but put me in a room with a crowd and get them ask me questions that's when i come alive i'm like yeah i don't know the answer to that or actually yeah you know and and we in conversation i used to think that all i wanted to do was become a speaker like talking to people Mm. and that's really changed especially since co-leadership first of all discovered that leading with like facilitating a workshop a talk a program whatever you want to call it being two is so much more fun than being on your own and this is coming from someone who used to be a total one-man show who believed that i was always gonna be one-man show and that i was you know control freak all this stuff so that's number one number two it's it's around this idea that i just i'm no longer in my head i can't i can't explain it to you it's got i just kind of become this this vehicle of just um wanting to share it's like really comes from this idea of like sharing because they're people who you know who feel like they're really stuck or they just and, I, and my wish is that if i can share just a little something that's going to get them towards towards next step that whatever they want to do then that makes me so excited um yeah i don't know if that answered your question Vanessa, yeah but, so yeah. I, what i heard you say is that um one of the things that gives you the experience of the good life is having these uh, vulnerable, honest, open dialogues mm. that somehow catalyzes um, new understanding um, or new excitement, aliveness in others. Is that, did yeah. I get that close? Yeah. yeah, no, that's exactly it. And as you said, I remember like, okay, who am I kidding? There's also moments that I'm totally going to call good life. When, I, when I'm in Santorini, there's a sunset. <laughs> There's a sunset that's literally like a joke. It's so beautiful. And I've and I've hidden a bottle of champagne in my backpack and I've taken some glasses from the hotel and I'm walking down this the steps with my girlfriend and there's like literally no one around us. There's this wind, there's these birds in the air and I just pop this bottle of champagne out and I'm just thinking this is the good life. This yeah, is amazing. Beauty. You know that and it has no ex- yeah. and, and I don't think there's an exclusion. It's it sounds like, you know, on on a scale um, the first one was in community with, you know, with people, uh, you know, co-facilitating workshops. And that is almost in contradiction to, you know, being alone with your girlfriend um, mm. and enjoying this, you know, this sunset or sunrise. And I think there's also being in community. Um, so I think there's there's a big part of what I hear in your good life is being connected, yeah. uh, whether it's with people uh, or in, in this moment, or whether it's connected with people through nature, mm. um, through the bigger thing where we all connected and enjoying this. But it seems like the good life to you means practically being connected with life. And and one thing, as I mentioned before, is through people. The other thing is um, 
through through uh, nature. Um, yeah. There's also something about soaking. Uh, it's funny yeah. when you, as you said that. I'm like, oh, it's funny. Like I'm soaking the scenery when I was in San mm. sitting on these steps. It was so incredible. I was like, I was just soaking in all those moments. I went into that room in community. I, I'm just soaking in the. The, the the energy the possibility the 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 the, the hunger the, all that it's like yeah it's like this kind of yeah holding on to it for some in some weird way mm, mm. Beautiful. it is um i just want to check in with with the time we are you know running towards the end um if you're still okay uh mark yeah yeah i've got about 10 minutes if that's if that's cool with you guys of course okay, yeah that's that's fine uh, that's great, actually. Thank you. <laughs> we have a, we have a lot of stuff then we could we could cut out, but actually, there's not much. It's quite interesting. Um, where where do we go from here? Oh yeah, yeah. I wanted to mention one thing, and I wonder if that is also uh, something that plays a role in your life. I know that I'm you travel a lot around, and uh, when I talk with Werner's uh, Werner's about what what we think or we believe is a good life. Uh, there were two or three things where we clearly immediately uh, had an alignment, and that was um, ex exploring and experiencing, especially experiencing mm. people, cultures, mm. uh, traveling around, and combining this with food. <laughs> yes, hundred <laughs> percent. I didn't even mention food once. Shame on me. Like I'm half French, people. Food is in my blood. It's like you you mentioned yeah. it in a very sterile way. You said healthy, and you were not quite sure if you should call it healthy. And I noticed at yeah. that time already. So, yeah, yeah, I I know what you say, but mm. <laughs> food sometimes I think indulging in it uh, is good life, and that means sometimes yeah, it's not really healthy, and it's fabulous this yeah. way. Yeah, I I hundred percent it. Yeah, it's oh my god. I mean food. It, you know, it's really interesting, and we haven't got time to get into this, but when I, I started this social experiment of, of going vegan for a while, and what was amazing was to see the reaction of other people and how they reacted to it. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is that what I realized is that people get really offended or get defensive around vegans because they feel like their identity around food is threatened. And that is probably on one side around, oh, I'm being reminded that I'm eating animals and I'm not quite sure if I'm okay with that. But more importantly, it's like, it's a it's a um a cultural thing like right so like we come around around food and food in certain societies and and i guess cultures play such an important role it's a, it's it's a moment of of connection it's a moment of oneness it's a moment of mm. of sharing it's a moment of of regrouping and so as soon as you start messing around with <laughs> with that people get really upset about it um mm. but food for sure like oh my god like i'll give you an example uh, i'm so happy i can share this um, so in the leadership program that we all did in ours, there was six guys out of 23 participants. And so one of the things I initiated last year was doing a, a mini male, all the males would get together in one city. And we started this, uh, we called it M1 uh, for those who are in the leadership program that you'll get this like R1, R2, it's like retreat one. So this is male one, <laughs> M1. Anyway, so we did London last, uh, this, this summer, and we all met in Amsterdam this weekend, just, just gone by. And one of our bluebirds is a is a caterer and a coach, but he he, he is his girlfriend is American and they did Thanksgiving. Nice. Oh my days! It was <laughs> the most fabulous meal. I mean, I've never really experienced Thanksgiving, 
uh, maybe when I was like 10, I don't remember it, but it was like, the turkey wasn't even a turkey, it was like a baby, it was just huge, it was like 8 kilos, there was like pots of fabulous foods of like Brussels sprouts and bacon and like pies and food and mash and and stuffing and we're just going like oh wow and we're all connecting there was a dutch there was a canadian an american there was a so part of our tribe there was a norwegian a russian a german um it was just this fascinating social experience of all coming around food and it was just fabulous um and that 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 i think it's very difficult to live the good life on an empty stomach um if you know and when i when i say the empty stomach i mean if you if you don't appreciate food like even if it it doesn't have to be abundant and ridiculous amounts but i think there's something about um um the the the, the sensations right like the taste buds the the how, how this hot chocolate makes you feel or maybe it's the proust madeleine i don't know if you guys know that reference but it's like this this book around how this author tastes this madeleine and it straight away takes him back to his childhood with his grandmother making like these homemade um, treats basically. And and I think we've all got these food groups that we'll eat them. Like for me, one of the things that reminds me of my mom straight away is apple pie. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was a lie. I apologize. My mom will never listen. She never listens to anything I do. But if she does, I meant apple crumble. You know, she ah, makes so this, this is a favorite dish for you. Yeah. Like as soon as I get like apple crumble for me, go straight to my mom bringing at Christmas like this, you know, and it's, re- and I love that. I love how, um, food does that like how smells textures um yeah uh, sorry you mentioned food addy you lost oh. me there for about yeah <laughs> and that's we're with you we, we're just you know <laughs> dripping out of our mouths right now you know apple, apple crumble pie whatever you know it's like oh my god yeah apple crumble yeah yeah apple we'll crumble for dinner yeah mm. fabulous yeah. and and there's um, you know, it's so so sad that we don't have more time, but I so want to ask this question. Go ask, ask which ask. is which is you know probably philosophical. That is, um, do we when we look at Maslow's pyramid, mm-hmm. do we screw ourselves somehow by wanting way more than you know beyond the third stage? Like you know, we have shelter, we are, you know medically mm-hmm. uh, we are, we are safe, and you know we have we have food. And then the next stages come, <laughs> and that is where we got conf- get confused. As opposed mm-hmm. to, why don't we just hang on in quotation marks? Why don't we just celebrate those three mm-hmm. stages all the time? And that might be a good life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're, you're you're descended from the Homo sapiens, so forget about it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's it's in our DNA to continually evolve and basically grow and take over. I mean, one of the reasons right. why Homo sapiens survived is because they were willing to kill, and they were willing to like. They, they, every time they showed up, everybody else dies. I mean, that that is just who we we come from. And and you know, on a like on a on a semi serious note, it's it's like it's in us to continually grow and innovate and develop. And it's fast. Like I'm finding myself right now totally freaked out by artificial intelligence. Totally freaked out. I'm like, mm. we're only one discovery away from basically living in a sci fi film. Mm. And and I'm like but it's happening. <laughs> it's like, whether I'm on it or not, it's happening. Right. And it's, you know, evolution. And, and, and I, to come back to what you're saying, it's like, yeah, I think what, we, what we're doing wrong isn't necessary to expect more. And yet it can be. And it's, and it's celebrating the small stuff, you know, before going like, okay, great. I got that. Boom. Next, next thing, you know, 
Um, and 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 on that on that, it, it's what I love about um, what I love about big bold dreams is that it's not about the dream; it's about who you become in the process of chasing that dream. And I think that's where people get confused. I think most people feel if I'm not going to reach that, then there's no point in me going after it. Um, you know that the whole smart goal setting, all that stuff, like right. achievable. You know, for me, it's like. So I interviewed this on my podcast. I interviewed this 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 guest called Philip McKernan, amazing amazing guy, and he wants he wants to become the next president of Ireland. Mm. He may or may not become nice. the next president of Ireland, right? But it doesn't matter because and what I, and, I, and I find that there's something compelling when you come across like even you guys like Addy when you reached out saying hey we want to launch this podcast about the good life, and I'm like great yes I would love to be part of the show thank you for inviting me there's like a I'm a big, big, big fan of quests. I said everyone should have a, a, a quest, a mini quest, micro quest. I don't know what you want to call it. But a little something that it gives you something to look forward to or like something to um, get up or, or go out there. And that could be something like I want to interview 10 people who've quit project management after 10 to 15 years to go and do something else. And I'm going to go and find those 10 people. It could be I want to write a blog post a day. I want to release a photo of my feet in... 10 different countries over the next 10 years you know what it doesn't matter what it is find that go do that because it doesn't matter if it's related not related if it's going to get you a job not get you a job business not business it doesn't matter it's like i think that's one of the things i find that most people we've lost a sense of purpose a sense of 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 fire like you know that fire in your belly that like you mm. guys like doing this podcast and like you're you're probably reaching out to people and saying hey we've got this podcast we don't know what it's going to become we don't know what it is but we'd love to speak to you about this and there's something so magical about that that I think I've seen this over and over and over again happen in my life, you know, be it entering an MMA tournament with two weeks notice for charity uh, where I had purple belts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu coming for free and training me to help me out. Um, whether it's uh, launching a, a plant-based protein company I did in seven days with 100 pounds, suddenly the world sort of helped me out. I got to meet the founder of this this food company um, in in England, I got to be invited to this food conference. You know, all this stuff happens when you suddenly commit to something bold. Um, you know, there was there was a, a woman I heard speaking the other day. She talked about a random uh, personal acts of boldness. And I love that. It's like, mm. find something, like a little thing that, that gets you a little bit excited, a little bit scared. You have to have that those combination. Um and go do that. And I, and I think maybe the good life, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's, 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 it's focusing on who you are becoming or who you are now versus, you know, what you expect you will be when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that, and, and I want to say, I want to somehow also counterbalance that mm. uh, in a way. Um, and I know you, you're not judging anyone who's not doing that, who's not following sure. your idea of a good life. I know that. And so it's not a counterbalance. It's just another perspective here. And and I re relate to that when I was um, uh, at uh, college in Hamburg. Uh, we had one of those nights, um, Friday, going out. And I came back home around four. And my um, roommate, he wasn't there yet. And we just had one key we shared. So I actually waited in my... <laughs> little VW Beetle, Volkswagen Beetle. Um, and, you know, it was 4, 4.30ish. And suddenly in the neighborhood, lights went on. And I could see where retired people got up quite early and immediately switched on their TVs. Uh, and, you know, they probably mm. got their coffee and, you know, did something. And 
and and so I see this image of uh, people that aren't necessarily being retired, but you know they they just don't go out. They just don't go for the next quest. Maybe their quest is to watch the next uh, TV show or something. Mm. And I, you know, for many years, I was definitely judging them, saying that that is a waste of life. <laughs> totally judging them. And and now I'm the opposite. I'm if that is how they it's in their responsibility. I'm not there to judge them. If that is their idea of a good life and they enjoy their coffee and the TV show and sitting there, the hmm. relationships. Good for them. I love it actually now. I find it cozy. And I, I also want to sit with them for a while and, and yeah. hear about, you know, what they see and experienced and 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 so on. And I don't know how it got there, but <laughs> I no, it was a counterbalance. Well, you know, yeah. there's a question I ask on the end of my show. I ask every single guest the same question. I ask, what does being unconventional mean to you? As the show's called The Unconventionalist, right? So I ask them, what does unconventional mean to you? And I get, you know, so many different answers, but they're always around the same theme. And and it could be almost like the good life is living the life that is good for you. And and mm. what does that mean? So whether that's, yeah. you know, if you want to like hang out and watch Netflix and but you're happy, you're content with that, then good. You know, I think there's, you know, who, who am I to judge on that? And, and if that's what being, living a good life, then good. And mm. I think that's what it is. Like the unconventionalist, every time it's around living life according to your own, you know, um, like reality, whatever you want to call it, but it's it's. I think the what I'll, what I'll be fascinating to hear about your episodes coming up is everyone I make up. Everyone's going to have like a different version of what a good life means to them, yeah. um, and there's going to be some similarities, right? Food, freedom, travel, experience, for sure. Which is awesome for us because never-ending episodes. <laughs> oh God, you will never run out of guests. Ever, yes, which is great, and it's uh, thank you for actually for this. Um, it's almost like a wrap up, you know. This is the mm, yeah. the the practitioner in Mark Laroost, the unconventionalist. Give <laughs> us a give you know, give us a um, um, why don't you give us a little intro and and um, do a bit of um, self promotion um, since we come shame, to the shame, end. Of that. Shameless promotion, um, shameless promotion, please. If yeah. you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to go and check out my podcast, The Unconventionalists. <laughs> MarkLaRouge.com forward slash podcast. Um, no, you know, it's it's amazing. It's basically about 18 months ago, I had this idea of launching this podcast. And the very first episode I ever recorded of a podcast was in 2007. I don't even know what a podcast was, but I gate-crashed MTV in Lithuania, Vilnius, to interview a band called Superfly at the time. And I made up that I was going to do something with that interview. I never did anything. But it kind of, the bug, I think, was implemented then. And it took about... 10 years to, to sort of come to fruition. And um, the show is really about, we, so I get to speak with authors, um, entrepreneurs, politicians, athletes, adventurers. And I get to sort of dig deep into the journey and the story of how they got to where they are. And the thing that I love so much is to get to poke and ask questions that some people might find difficult or challenging, but in a really friendly and loving way. And what that gives is is really an environment where guests open up in ways that they never have before. And I've got this so many times by guests emailing me afterwards or or even on the show saying it, um, that they've never really experienced that or they've never felt that they could open up this way. You know, I, Philip McKernan almost cried twice on the show. Mm. Um, I had uh, Alistair, Alistair Humphreys, who's one of the world's foremost explorers, um, opened up and about being vulnerable about social media, you know, 
And that's what I love. So, so my wish is I don't, I can't give you the pitch of the unconventions because I don't have one and I'm okay with that. But what it is, is if you're into like stories of people and hopefully by listening to it, you can realize that there's no difference between you and these people that we look up to, because that's what my goal is to show like the, the human, they've got doubts, they've got fears. They have no idea what they're doing. They totally haven't got their shit together. And yet they still show up day in and day out you know, whatever their, whatever their quest is, whatever they're doing. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm 50 episodes in. Mm. Um, it's been... It's a great... It's, I can recommend it. Um, mm. I listened to almost all of them um, from the start. I didn't binge listen to it. <laughs> but actually week by week, I get, you know, I got podcast yeah. uh, delivered. Um, and it's, it's, it's very interesting because most of the time you talk about the elephant in the room, yeah. uh, you talk about, um, you bring some light, um, to the shadow side of, you know, which seems sometimes very glamorous uh, from mm -hmm. the outside. And so that's what I'm, um, uh, attracted to, mm -hmm. uh, listening and finding out what, what, uh, you know, those people have to say. Um, so that's, uh, dot com or the unconventionalist.com. Is that right? Yeah, so I think I don't know if the unconventionalists.com actually redirects in all browsers. It should have, but if you type in the unconventionalists and or Mark Lewis on, on Google, you'll find the iTunes link where you can subscribe, and it's on SoundCloud and Stitcher and all that kind of stuff. It's on the, all all the usual wherever wherever people are listening to this podcast, they should be able to find the unconventionalists as well. That's very true. Awesome. Well, Mark, <laughs> no, thank goal. you for sharing your humanity and your unconventionalness <laughs> so so with welcome. us, your unconventional life with us. This has really yeah. been um, inspiring. And I, you know, when you, as you say, when you're connecting with someone that has so much um, like energy and vision, it gives you, it gives you a boost and it gives you a sense of um, what's possible also in your life. Mm. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thank you, and thank you for great questions. Yeah, you know that was. Um, it's always great to sort of stop and think, and so I appreciate you so much for getting me on the show, and on episode number two. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening to the Good Life Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, were inspired, or are thinking about a topic a little differently, then go to our website and let others know that this is important work. Take a minute to rate and review this podcast. And if you haven't yet subscribed, go to our website at the Good Life Podcast. That's one word, thegoodlifepodcast.org, and there you will find several easy options to subscribe to the podcast. You can also go directly to iTunes, SoundCloud, or YouTube and subscribe there. And if you know of someone who we must have on the show, send us an email to info at the goodlifepodcast.org till next time i'm Adi brewer and i'm vernis jones and this is the good life see you soon <laughs>